What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Canby Christian Church podcast. You're listening to an On Sunday episode. That's a weekly episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank church basement on a Monday and talk about what happened on Sunday. But this week, it's on Tuesday because we've had some busy weeks with the holidays. If you want to ask a question on the podcast, email us at office at canbychristian.org. If you don't have a church that you call home and you live in the Canby area, we'd love to have you consider our church. Uh, For more information about that, check out canbychristian.org. Let's jump into this week's episode. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. All right. Rob, you had a special guest this week. Sometimes we have one on the podcast. You had one in your life. I did. I have one. I had one in my home. (laughs) My mom came up from Southern California. She actually drove up. Um, She drove with another uh, girl who's actually going to, is now living here, is going to be roommates with my sister and part of the church. So she moved up from California. My mom drove with her basically. And they just like they didn't stop. They left, I think it was like two or three in the morning on, wow. I want to say it was Sunday. Yeah. So no, last well, week? I guess it would be Monday morning, Yeah. last Monday morning. And they did not stop. Like they took a couple of food breaks and they were here by Monday at like 7 PM. Wow. So it was kind of insane how quickly they drove up, but she was here all week. Um, had a great time. She, uh, yeah, she said she really loved Canby. She actually, she's, uh, you know, a recovering alcoholic, and she is big into AA. So she, when she was here, she was, like, jumping into different AA meetings. Um, wow, that's cool. Yeah, and she went to, like, three yeah. or four of them. She's very, um, she just loves being amongst that community, and it's it's just a very life-giving thing for her in her sobriety. And she told me, she went to one in Wilsonville, and she went to a few in Canby, and she was like, the the meetings in Canby are just so good. Wow. wow. She was just saying, like, the people in Canby, like, they immedi- like they got to know her right away. And she went to a meeting where she saw multiple people from Canby. And uh, mm-hmm. it was just, it was interesting to hear about it. And uh, I think Ashley went with her to one. And at any rate, all that to say, she enjoyed Canby quite a bit. She came mm-hmm. to our church. Uh, she's, she, she called you Aaron passionate. Mm. That was her descriptor mm. of you as a pastor preaching. Oh, she funny. obviously this Sunday, uh, preaching on a topic that you're very passionate about as we all, as should we be. all, yeah, we all, should be. <laughs> uh, Hopefully. Hopefully. but, but you could, I don't know. I think it came through. And so she, we had a lot of fun and, uh, had to say goodbye to her yesterday and, uh, she going back down to California, but who yeah. knows, maybe she'll be up here one day for good. We'll see. We're yeah. trying to convince her to move up too, but. Yeah, I I, cool. I uh, ran into your mom and Mallory at uh, when we were picking the kids up from school the other day, and I saw her and said hi to her again. We had met a few years ago, but I was reminded that her name is Michelle, mm-hmm. and my mom's name is Michelle, and that's pretty odd. To yeah, I mean Michelle's not a like super common name. Um, and then my wife's name is Michelle, so I'm like surrounded by Michelles over here. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about that. But then the even smaller world kind of a situation is uh, your mom used to be married to a oh, yeah. distant, somewhat cousin of mine, which right, is right. really what? yeah, dead yeah. serious. <laughs> so my dad's cousin, um, well, my dad's brother had a had a daughter. And then she married this gentleman and then that they got divorced and then his mom married that gentleman. Right. 
but we yeah. were still like you know connected to connected. the family yeah so at one point we were sort of cousins yeah you guys yeah. are cousins <laughs> yeah You're isn't like, that not so anymore. strange like through law it was kissing funny. cousins yeah yeah <laughs> never done that Cody. yeah rob and i haven't no <laughs> but yeah th- i that was a pretty funny uh i had to actually call my dad and and get the family tree lineage thing of hey who is this person again and how am i related oh okay yeah and it was yeah it's like a strain of mine you know that is funny which is a really really small world how that works did you just find that out no you had oh, pointed okay. it out you, to me months ago Year, well years ago years yeah. ago back okay. when we were both at harvest yeah and they were actually still married like... we were yeah we went to a we went to like a birthday party and someone's like oh yeah aaron he's my cousin or he's my nephew or something like that and i'm like what i work with him that's, that's we're like friends we work <laughs> yeah. together what's going Bizarre. on it's it awesome weird. And and I mean, typically I like the name Michelle, but my last name is pretty unique. Like some guy asked me recently um, if I knew this guy in Southern Oregon with that last name. And I'm like, no, but I, I bet you I'm probably related to him somehow. Like, cause mm. the Adamis I've met, they're, they're two, three removed cousins or something like that. It's a, <laughs> it's a smaller community. Um, but anyway, yeah, I had a good Thanksgiving. And uh, went down to my parents' house, and my brother and sister-in-law were there as well. So it was pretty relaxing. Got to read a book over the break, and so that was kind of cool. And didn't have class or anything like that. And, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, awesome. Good relaxing time. Yeah. How was yours, Cody? Yeah, it was pretty good. We uh, we headed north. We went up into Washington. Uh, Emily has two sets of grandparents, which is cool uh, for – our girls, two sets of great grandparents they get to hang out wow. with, which is pretty rare for people. Mm. Um, but yeah, so we spent a day in Centralia uh, with one set of great grandparents and a day in uh, kind of Tacoma ish area uh, with another set of great grandparents, which was cool for our girls. Uh, we hadn't been up to that side of the family uh, in a while. We used to live right next to them, you know, so we saw them all the time. Um, and uh, when the girls came in, uh, one of the great grandmas was like, Oh, I have stuff for you. And they went in the back room and they played like Chinese checkers and pickup sticks and all these like weird, like older generation games. <laughs> and they just play, like, we didn't see them for a couple hours. Like they just were playing games with their great grandma wow. in the back room, which That's is pretty, awesome. pretty neat to, uh, to have that kind of experience. But it was great to, to see family and to, uh, I got to go to my side of the family the next day, and my sister was thrilled because uh, the Washington State Cougars beat the Washington Huskies mm-hmm. in the Apple Cup, uh, which is also very rare. <laughs> so she was actually happy on a Friday after Thanksgiving, and I haven't seen that uh, from her in a long time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it usually doesn't happen. Uh, but, yeah, that was my Thanksgiving. It was a lot of fun. Very Really cool. exciting. Very cool. Yeah, and so we're gonna go ahead and just jump right, jump in, right in to the uh, to the passage. Um, the uh, The theme of this time was solely Deo Gloria, the glory of God. Yeah, and that's one of was it five solas? Yeah, five solas. Be- yeah. Before we jumped into that, speaking of the the just the overall service on Sunday, something we don't talk about enough is I super appreciated the worship this last mm. week. The music was the mute. The song choices were great. Um, I mean, you somehow do the singing and the guitar and the little drum thing and all that <laughs> all at one time. And and he's chewing gum at the same time, which is weird. And mm. if you didn't know it, he was sick this week, too. So he pulled all that off. So it was it was a really 
uh, worshipful time. You're not supposed to say I was sick and still at church. <laughs> yeah, you're, that's... well, you didn't know but you were I have sick. A, I have a COVID. Right? I have a COVID test too. I it was not COVID. I'm not COVID away shaming people. you. <laughs> people get sick and you're fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you thought you had allergies or something. I did. I thought it was allergies the whole time, and then it was like, oh, this is Probably definitely a good, real yeah. cold because yeah. I feel terrible. And then, yeah, I got the COVID test, though. No, negative. You're good. You're good. Yeah, no COVID. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the songs were really good. And I, uh, Ashley does um, Oh, Lord, My Rock, My Redeemer. That's such a great song. She yeah. does that really well. It's great to have Frank back. Oh, slap man, so the awesome. Bass. <laughs> so we, Frank we is appreciate. the man. He's so cool. We appreciate all and that. But yeah, the no, fact that great. you're able to sing the whole Gloria Without taking breath. a breath. Like, I can't do it. I was telling you earlier, like, I I, I have to, breathe, to stop. To breathe from yeah, the diaphragm. Yeah, keep going. It's in the diaphragm. It's, yeah, I, don't I don't even know, know what the diaphragm it. is, but people say that. Breathe through your diaphragm. I know. I think it's some big never mind thing of muscle in your yeah. stomach or something. <laughs> I'm sure it's something lining. real. It's real. It's, it's really science. There. Yeah. It's kind of like a drum skin, but in your... In your body. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, no, the glory of God um, yeah. was kind of the theme. And it was, uh, I, I had mentioned a few weeks ago that normally around October 31st or the ho- Halloween holiday that the last few years I've done a Reformation Sunday topical on some person or theme that came out of the Reformation. And, and, and kind of my thought in doing that four years ago when I started that was I, I feel like people are ignorant of history and particularly church history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, why, why do we, what is a Protestant like that? That's you hear that term, but what does that mean? Or even the word evangelical, like nowadays it's more of a political term than it is a, uh, I guess a spiritual term sort of delineating various beliefs like how how would someone maybe I'll throw it out to you guys how would you define an evangelical oh, what is man. an evangelical personal conversion here's your here's your uh, bible trivia but not your uh, terminology yeah, so, trivia well and are we talking like cuz i like f- the technical term for an evangelical yeah but evangelical now is mostly used in a political context yeah but i'm saying typically like the actual term rob's looking it up on google you are so I, unfair i have yeah. to well, well it is funny because it is one of those words where uh like being a christian since i was a child like i didn't really question terms or anything right and so like i actually i don't feel very confident that i know exactly what an evangelical is right but i know for sure that like i've googled it before yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is that because i yeah. think i've even referred to myself as an evangelical and, well you and, should and but somebody was like well we're not evangelicals we're like we're like this other thing and in, in the context of that conversation i was like wait what did that guy mean by that i better go yeah. figure out what, yeah, a, yeah, what yeah. an evangelical is you know yeah, yeah. what is there are, uh, well are you, you know you googled it well I, I think I think there's things. five or four or six. Uh, I, I believe there's five. Everything has five. Yeah. Every every subgroup has five. I or guess seven or seven. <laughs> but um, marks about like this is what describes an evangelical. Like they believe in personal conversion. Yeah. Your your parents can't. You know, you don't have the faith of your parents or your race or your gotcha. culture. Yep. It's your personal conversion um belief in that salvation is through christ alone 
uh, belief in uh, social activity, like I should be engaged yep. and my faith should be active. Um, the the but the, one of the bigger markers of being an evangelical is you believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I but I had a professor in school that he was making some funny jokes. If if you don't know you're an evangelical, he's like if you sit on a plane and you feel this tug in your heart to share the gospel with somebody next to you, <laughs> you may just be an evangelical. It was it was really funny, mm-hmm. but yeah, you just feel this sort of like. I, I should be doing something with my faith, but it's grounded in I should be sharing my faith. I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, um, and I believe that Jesus is the only way, personal conversion, those kinds of things. Uh, but anyway, I, I, be, I guess I felt like when I first got here several years ago and then going back to some years prior to that, that a lot of people did not have a good understanding of church history. Mm. Why are we doing the things that we're doing now? Church tradition, which is not always a bad thing, um, has allowed us to get to this certain point. And and there's different history uh, markers beyond that, like this church that we're in right now is close mm. to 130 years old. There's a history here, and I think it's yeah. good to know that history. Um, but then there's a history that goes back 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. And then there was this big uh, watershed moment of what is now called the Protestant Reformation when a group of people, particularly uh, Martin Luther, is the one that is attributed as the catalyst for it. As I mentioned on Sunday, because in 1517, he posted these 95 criticisms of the Catholic Church. But that was what it was. They were protesting, therefore Protestant, protesting the teachings and traditions of the Catholic Church in that uh, in, in that time in, in history. And they weren't trying to create a whole new schism of churches because there was a, an earlier schism that happened where you have the Eastern and mm-hmm. Western church breaks of you've got Eastern Orthodox or Greek Orthodox. You've got those traditions and then you've got the Catholic church, which would have been the Western church. So you had that schism. And then in the 1500s, you had this other schism, which then created a Protestant. So you've got the three main branches of Christianity. Um, so, you know, you look out at the landscape and you go, well, what does an Eastern Orthodox person believe? What does a Catholic believe? What does a Protestant believe? So anyway, you have these three branches. And I just felt like it would be helpful to understand what those things are because we identify as Protestant. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, we are all Reformed in the sense that mm. we are not Catholic. We have reformed from the Catholic, the Catholic Church, Church the, yeah. the teachings of the Catholic Church. What's so funny about that is I remember the first time, you know, going to your point of, of kind of the, the ignorance of most Christians. I grew up in a church, as I've mentioned many times, and I spent years in that church. And I, it, not, it wasn't until I was 18 years old when I joined the army and I had to put my religious affiliation on my dog tag. Mm. And they were like, what's your, what's your like religious affiliation? I just said Christian. They're like, Catholic, Protestant. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess I'm not Catholic. I guess I'm Protestant. And then I had to like look it up and find out what that means. That's how ignorant I was. Of course, I didn't take the Bible very seriously or Christian religion very seriously at that time in my life. But nonetheless, it had never even been mentioned to me, I feel like, as a kid. Um, So I think it's important that we understand that. What does that mean? Well, and it is the, yeah, seeing it side by side. 
a Protestant is someone who protested things they disagreed with about the Catholic religion. Right, right. You know, right, like right. when you then it makes more sense why the government. Because same thing with uh, my wife Emily uh, worked with kids in the Santa Ana Juvenile Hall for a long time, which they're uh, minors. So a kid can't go in with a particular religion of their family and get converted to a different religion you know through a government like oh, you know like yeah. the, you oh, can't wow. yeah. you can't send a kid to juvenile hall and bring him back out muslim you'd be yeah, upset yeah, yeah, you know yeah, if you're yeah. his parents right um and so they have to mark like catholic protestant okay. whatever and so emily was able to work with kids whose families were said protestant. they were protestant yeah right yeah. um but it's funny yeah because it's a it is a uh, not a term we really use. And like I said, growing up as a Christian, it's like, I don't know, Protestant. You say Protestant, you say evangelical, you say Christian, you say born again. It's yeah. like all these weird phrases. I'm like, I don't know, they were vaguely associated with me mm. as I grew up and I was yeah. a kid, so I didn't care that much. So I'm like, oh yeah, they're all Christians, whatever. <laughs> right. And kind of, they are. Yeah. But also they have subtle things that they mean. So it is important to kind of understand well what people are referring to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, it's that whole tension of, of wanting to um, make sure people are aware that they understand what these terms are and they're not throwing them out there as if they know what they are or, or they're being categorized as, oh, well, you're this. And it's like, then you find out what that is and you're like, oh, I'm not really that. <laughs> yeah. Why well, was that guy calling me that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I and think. And why did I agree blindly? <laughs> right, right. And so I, but I think there's a, a there's a great history that we all need to pull from because if we don't understand history then we'll end up repeating the same problems but there's a wealth of information that we can gather from church history and because they've thought about the same things that we're thinking about today um how to do church how to reach the lost how to disciple one another uh these kinds of things so i think we can pull from that wonderful tradition of <clears throat> church history mm-hmm. and and learn these things and understand people gave their lives uh for this um and 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 so as time went on uh they they ended up summarizing some of the tenets some of the main pillars and beliefs of of the reform of Protestantism. And I talked about the, those Latin expressions that came out of that, which were the five solas that are, that are pretty universally seen. I mean, you can buy a plaque at Hobby Lobby or something that says, <laughs> you know, sola fide on it or whatever. I mean, they're, they're pretty common is what I'm saying. Or, or you get, uh, my watch is talking to me or you get, um, you know, people have tattoos, you know, Soli Deo Gloria on their calf or something like that. You know, it's just like what people do. Um, But anyway, those five solas uh, summarize sort of the beliefs about salvation primarily, that it comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. My computer, everything's going off right now. So much noise. And then also (laughs) sola scriptura, where's the final authority in the church? And it's with the word of God, you know, as delivered not with a pope not with right yeah not with church tradition not with because that was the big thing was in the catholic church the catholic church has authority over scripture Mm -hmm. because their teaching is that the church is the one that endowed scripture with its spiritual authority where a protestant is saying no it's the other way around the only the church has authority from scripture mm-hmm. from god's word because it's uniquely tied to the person of god 
to God uh, in his attribute and character. And so we are dependent upon his word. His word is not dependent upon the church. And so that was, I mean, for us, we hear that and we think, duh. (laughs) Right. But we're also like been swimming in the water of Protestantism for our, you know, whole Christian lives. Uh, Well, this whole country. Yeah. In large country. Unlike Europeans. I mean, if you have like deep roots, you know, and you're from Europe and that part or even Eastern parts of the world. They don't have the type of Protestant influence that we do in America, uh, historically speaking. And so they would have an understanding of a state church. Right. Oh, there's the Church of England. Well, even the, like your your country has a sanctioned church. Like yeah. that's just something we don't really have a lens for right. if we've been exactly, here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and to that end, I mean, um, America and the ideology of um, American thought and why the the Revolutionary War happened mm-hmm. is because they were breaking away from these old thoughts and they were the whole separation of church and state is coming directly from that. I mean, if you worked in the church, or if you were a clergyman and you worked in the church, you know, a few hundred years ago, even today in Germany and different parts of Europe, you, you were a government employee. Mm-hmm. And obviously we could see the problems with that. Um, <laughs> but they saw it as a way to bring these things together, that the state is actually, and we'll see that in Romans, that the state is actually a, the, the civil authorities are ultimately still under God. And and so they were trying to use that as like, these aren't separate things. Mm-hmm. These are together. They're both tools in God's hand. Um, and, but we understand them a little bit, a little bit differently. And it's a very revolutionary idea because even think about the Israelites, like they lived under a theocracy that became a kingdom. Right. You know what I mean? So they have always connected yep. religion and state and yeah. So anyways, right. the whole thing was, I felt like it's really fascinating to learn about church history. I think it's important to learn about church history and to do something like that once a year. Um, and, and like this, this time I knew I was going to get to this other potential sola, soli deo gloria, but it just wouldn't hit on October 31st. I'm like, I could talk about it on October 31st, which was that Sunday, or I can skip and wait a few weeks and just, I'm going to get to it again in Romans at the end. And then it would have potentially sounded redundant. So we just waited and, and you didn't get any hate mail or anything for missing it. Mm, mm -mm. (laughs) So here, the question is though, why should I care living in Canby, Oregon, going to a church? Why should I 2021? Why should it, why should I care about the reformation? You tell me, Rob, why should we care? (laughs) I'm asking you pastor. (laughs) Well, what can you think of an idea? I think obviously the cliche and and the true and the, you know, a good thing is history has a tendency of repeating itself. If we're not aware of the mistakes, of the past right you know that I mean? applies generally to all of christian history right it applies yeah to all of human history yeah yeah point, yeah i mean point. you know and the same is true for for us in christianity knowing the 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 faults of our predecessors will help us by god's grace not to repeat those things mm-hmm. you yep. know um yeah think of oh gosh i can't remember the reference off the top of my head but um just that the things that have happened in the past, even in scripture are there for our instruction uh-huh. so that we may learn from them and not yeah. repeat those things. Yeah. And I think that's the same is true for our, for all of history in the short term and in the long term. Yeah. And so it's important for us to know those things. Uh, why do we take, why do we see the scripture as our final authority? 
we just take it for granted. We just think, oh, everyone thinks this, but that's not that's not the tr- that's not the case. It hasn't been the case for the majority of, you know, the history of uh, Christianity. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that um, going back and looking at what ultimately these people did gives us courage to stand up in the mm. face of opposition, um, the opposition we face today. And it, I mean, they were Protestants, right? They protested. And we see protests in the streets today, but yep. they're they're for different things. So the question is, is what hills do we want to die on mm-hmm. as evangelical Christians, uh, followers of Jesus? What hills ought we to die on? And I think like the gospel, mm-hmm. which is the hill they were dying on, is definitely worth a cause to protest over. Um and and again that the the sociology at the time was different because of there was no separation of church and state and the authority that the church had it it involved a different level of protesting um but i mean on a smaller scale it, like there's a great cliche phrase that also comes out of the reformation it's not a, a sola but the latin phrase is semper reformanda which means always reforming hmm. And, and the idea is that the church, even though there was a Reformation event, it's really the church, because well, what? how did the Catholic Church get to that place? They had obviously lost their way, yeah. and to some degree mm-hmm. still have. And all throughout church history, even after the Reformation, churches and denominations have lost their way, and they need to come back to these things. They need to come back to, oh, salvation is through Christ alone. It's not by my works. It's not by my church membership. It's not by how much money I give or the, all the works and service that I do. Um, it's not by being a good, uh, a good person, though being a good person obviously is a good thing, um, but it's through grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. Today, uh, the message of pluralism Mm-hmm. is everywhere mm-hmm. and and even Christians you know you want to you want to be accepting of people and different walks of life but that has become now not just different walks of life coming to faith in Jesus but different walks of life and also beliefs and they're welcome we have community um but yeah I don't think that that is uh I, I think coming back and recognizing these five solas as sort of like um, tethering us to the gospel truth is helps us to always be reforming and ultimately always reforming back to scripture. What does scripture teach? What are, what are we supposed to be doing? How are how is leadership structures supposed to take place in a local congregation? And and local congregations can get away from teaching scripture. Uh, and and if if they're a member of a church. And they're like, let's say they're at some church and, and they were there and they're, the pastor used to teach the Bible faithfully, but now all of a sudden he isn't. And well, those members should probably protest. <laughs> hey, man, don't be stealing other people's sermons. Don't be preaching Andy Stanley sermons, you know, and coming in here and acting like they're, they're yours. Or don't go in there and like repeat the same sermon that you did two years ago over and over and over and over again, right? Like we need to b- make our our sermons uh, central and actually see that you're putting in the work here. And so we need to, I think, reform back to that, right? Because the churches can get away from it. And um, yeah, I, and, but it, that's always a slow erosion. Yeah. 15 years down the road, you're like, 
wait a second, how come I don't bring my Bible to church anymore? <laughs> I used to do that, but now I don't have to anymore. And because I just get these little scriptural sound bites. And so anyway, I think that they're important yeah. because the church, the the Reformation was important back then, but the sentiment of always reforming is always something to keep in mind. Like every year, I think for us, we should look back on these sort of things and be like, is the word of God central? Are we doing to the best of our ability what scripture teaches in our leadership, in our discipleship, in our evangelism, uh, these kinds of things. So I think those are good, helpful ways of like mm -hmm. the, the issues that they were dealing with back then that they were protesting against with the Catholic Church. We have our own things of sola fide that they apply to. Yeah. And uh, like today, people don't want to believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. And that mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily an issue back then. It was more about scriptural authority right, in the life of the right. church. Yeah. For us, it's about scriptural authority in the life of a Christian. Yeah. And and can I fully believe this word? Well, that's a battle that our generation has to fight under this heading of sola scriptura. And but anyway, this this one here, all to the glory of God, is I feel like somewhat of an easy one. <laughs> you know, like everyone uh, kind of agrees. Yeah. Hopefully everyone agrees yeah. everything is to the glory of God. Well, we, and, th and that's an important point about the five solas is they aren't like five solas that we kind of haphazardly decided to ascribe like scriptural authority to, but they are literally found in scripture. Oh, yeah. Like you don't find them exactly the way they're worded, mm -hmm. but when you read scripture faithfully, you find these five things to be true always. Yes, there, yes. There's no debate about whether this is found in in scripture. So like we aren't we aren't randomly picking the reformation and a few leaders and giving them the authority of the apostles in mm -hmm. the scripture, but they're people who read the Bible faithfully and were able to uh, extract something from it that we could all look at and even if we didn't have those things written that way, we could go back to scripture and find them that way. Which was a big part of the reformation, right? As we talk about the scripture being the anchor mm -hmm. is that the state-run Catholic churches had the scriptures and they kept them in Latin and they could tell you it said anything they wanted and you'd never check, yep. you know, mm. you had no ability to check really. You had no ability and to so check. So that's why it's so important. And now, like you said, we all have our own set of problems. Now we're, you know, Christians today are some of the most biblically illiterate yep. Christians of all time. And so just having it in your language doesn't mean you care enough to go read it right. and check on <laughs> what was being taught to you, right? Dude, totally right. But yeah, you're you're 100% right because in Ephesians, Paul literally says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. Yeah. <laughs> and this is not of your own. It is a gift of God. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, oh, so that's where they got sola gratia and sola yeah. fide from. Yeah, literally directly from scripture. And it's <laughs> through Christ. Um, the sola scriptura one is just, I mean, that's, that's biblical theology. That's the message yeah. through all of scripture that the word of God creates, the word of God creates a people, all of these things. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching in, in the beginning of Acts. So it was the teaching of the gospel, uh, through the apostolic, uh, teaching in the new Testament. Um, that was the authority mm -hmm. and not church traditions that were passed down, but scripture um, that comes down from Christ. So anyway, these are some of the reasons why I thought it yeah. was Im important to do that 
and, and then like a couple years ago, I think I did a a character study on that uh, October date on Augustine, who was sort of an early, like basically most guys get their stuff from Augustine. I mean, Martin Luther did, Calvin did, Zwingli did. Um, I mean, so many of these normal reformers that we think of, they're basically just quoting Augustine. Mm -hmm. But then Augustine would say, well, I'm just quoting Paul. (laughs) You know, like I'm just going all the way back to what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, there's some great figures and it's cool to learn about these guys and hear about their conversion stories and the way God used them. And I, I mean, I feel like Martin Luther, beyond just posting his criticisms on the wall, the the most uh, significant thing I feel like he actually did was translate the Bible into his native language of German. Because mm. that's what, what you just said is he did. He put the Bible in the language of the common people, which the Catholic Church did not believe was right to do, mm-hmm. that it was like sacrilege to do that, mm. um, to turn it out of the like clearly God-ordained Latin, yeah. <laughs> whatever, um, and put it into the language that people themselves could read the Bible. And yeah. I feel like he, I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but he, he was saying something like the word of God can be understood by a, a kid in a plow field hmm. and and that he has just as much power as like the priest hmm. in the church does or something. And I mean, it was like crucify him to say something mm, like yeah. that. But I mean, that, that there you go. That's a Protestant tradition that we don't even realize we have inherited when we say we want to teach people how to read the Bible, read the Bible throughout the year, read it for yourself, read it for yourself. Like that's coming all the way from back then where these people believed, I mean, there were people believed you could not do that and you should yeah. not do that. And that that was actually a bad thing where we're thinking, no, I mean, the hand of, or the the word of God in everyday people's hands. I mean, this is, this is the goal. Yeah. You know, we have, like you said, we have these Bibles and we don't even read them anymore because yeah. it's, well, we've got 15 of them in our house and it's just sort of a thing that we have, but that would have been such a rare thing back then. Well, and that goes all the way back to Old Testament Israel. Like they were told like, you know, write this on your hearts, like yep. put this in your, in your mouths. And like, yep. like that, this should be, you know, this should be something that completely envelops your whole life and being. Um, so it's crazy that we could get so far away from that, from yep. that teaching and find ourselves so lost from that. Yep. Cause it's so obvious that the scripture's telling us to do that. Yeah. And I, that's not to say maybe this is maybe worth or not worth saying, but no one's saying that Catholics are bad. No, no, like no. We're saying today we have some significant theological differences, but the solas would say if a Catholic has faith in Jesus by grace alone, right? Like they're saved too. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. so. I I hope no one would think we're we're saying Catholics are bad. We're just saying there's some significant theological differences, and the Catholics that Luther was coming up against were were you know that that teaching and that right. church is far different than. Well, I think Catholics, you probably. Know I mean, today. <laughs> Luther's an example, right? I mean, he was a Catholic monk, you know, in the Catholic Church, and yet he had discovered the gospel. Mm. And there were many others within the Catholic Church who were discovering the gospel and decided to try to reform the Catholic Church from right. within. And so, even today, there are Catholics within the Church or within the Catholic Church who are discovering the gospel. Um, but it's much like you, Rob. I mean, you were in a pretty weird church. And you got saved through that by the grace of God. Um, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, like, it doesn't mean that God can't save through really terrible churches. Like, he totally can. Yep. 
Um, and he has, and he does. But institutionally, the Catholic Church teaches very, very different, significantly fundamental, opposed to the gospel that we understand to be saving. Hmm. Uh, again, institutionally, they teach that, which is which is also a a good reminder that you can't just have a conversation with a Catholic and say, oh, well, you believe this, you believe that. They, they may not know, actually, what the Catholic Church institutionally teaches about. They just know Jesus, and they know that they need need salvation. Um, but when they start talking about things like, well, if I do these things and do these things, and God will love me, then, then now we have need to have a more gospel conversation with with what those uh, the five solas are, mm, I think right. that might be helpful for them. Right, the grace alone. The grace alone, part yeah, comes into question at some point. Yeah, yeah. I did look up for us what those four things are for an evangelical, according to one ah. uh, little article. It says a high view of the Bible as Christians' ultimate authority, which is essentially the inerrancy of Scripture. Emphasis on G- Jesus Christ's work of salvation on the cross. Uh, so basically, he's the only way. The necessity of conscious personal faith, commitment through a changed life, so conversion, often called being born again. So if you're a born again, you're an evangelical. Uh, and then number four, activism in person-to-person evangelism, missions, and moral reform. Anyway, that's a, I feel like it's a pretty good summary. So mm. if you're like, oh, yeah, I hold to those things, then you're probably an evangelical. Um, but anyway, I think yeah. those are... Good, good, helpful terms. Anyway, soli deo gloria. Yeah. Why don't we Why don't we read it? It's short this time. Yeah. It's Romans eleven thirty three through thirty six. It says, "Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments! How inscrutable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counselor, or who has given Him uh, given a gift to Him that He might be repaid?" For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Great passage. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that section in the middle there, that quote, where's that from? Did you have that in here? I your... feel like it's from a couple different places. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I You know, I didn't bring that in as like, oh, he's... he's uh, Referencing from, this yeah, poem from yeah. somewhere. It, it is true, though. He's referencing a couple places. I don't have the reference on me. Do you? I, it doesn't have a reference here, it, it's, which makes me think maybe it's not a reference from. No, no, it is. is it? It's, uh, yeah, let me see here. My bad. I asked a right question now. that is making our podcast super boring. It's from that Isaiah. That was the trivia. The first line. That was this week's Bible trivia. <laughs> the first from from Isaiah, the deliverer will come from Zion. Am I, I'm not reading the right text, am I? I don't think so. Nope, I'm not. It's um, Isaiah it's 29, Isaiah 10. For who has known the mind of the Lord? That one? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. That one's from Isaiah 40. Yep. And then the, or who has given a gift to him is from Job 35, mm. yep. 7. There you go. Um. Yeah, he's quoting from the Old Testament there. Yeah, he's and he's pulling a couple of things. There's in. a couple of Job, yeah, references. 36, 22, and 23, who has been his counselor, right? That whole yeah. section, yeah. But regardless, it's probably was a common, when it's quoted like that and set offset in your Bible, it's probably a common thing that people quote. would have yeah. been able to remember. Or even just, a, you know, kind of a, a poem that people would have reused over and over and over. Yeah. <laughs> 
What's great to me in this section, and I think you talked about this in your sermon, how he's basically just bursting forth in worship in response to the teaching that he's giving, which is an amazing thing to think about. And I thought that was a good insight. Like, do we do that often? We ought to. And, uh, you know, if we're not, then perhaps we're not thinking about these things in a worshipful way like him. But um, as we've been talking about these heavy theological topics over the last several weeks and months, really, um, the mysteries of God in my mind have been, you can sort of, you can react to separate ways. And I think our tendency when we come up against something that we don't understand is to get, at least maybe me, I'll just, I'll, I'll just personalize it to get bent out of shape. Like if I can't figure it out, you know, um, when, so we can, we can go two ways. We can go, I don't get it. And therefore I'm frustrated and angry and confused. Uh, or we can go the, sort of the other way and realize that this mystery of who our God is, who is so unsearchable, who's so inscrutable, who's this vast, uncreated creator, we can use that as a actual a means to worship. Mm-hmm. Instead mm-hmm. of being frustrated, mm-hmm. allow the mystery of God to lead us to worship. For sure. Because if we had a God that we can completely explain and understand, that's not a God I want to believe in or follow, right. you know? Yeah. And so I don't know. That's That was what I was thinking about. And, uh, you know, that has been ministering to me as I've been looking at these mysteries yeah. and coming up against them in my mind. And they don't logically maybe connect all the way. But at the end of the day, we just have to realize, like, that is not, our God is so great. That is not mm-hmm. something we're going to be able to completely square with. Yeah. And that's a, that's a reason to worship. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we only half, if we're like most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we only half believe that really, that God <laughs> is so great and mysterious. Mm. Like we're like, yeah, that's true. And then we sit down and we try to figure everything out about God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so we mm-hmm. don't really, I think most of the time we're like, yeah, he's mysterious. But like, also I can kind of like, I could probably figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't, <laughs> we're like, we're pretty confident that we could know things for certain about God and that there won't be really a mystery. And like you said, the, the fact that it frustrates us kind of betrays that, that lack of belief in the, in God being this great mysterious Mm -hmm. creator, um, because we think we are going to figure it out eventually and that everything should be super logical for us because we're so smart. Of course, it's all going to make sense all the time for us. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I I had someone came up to me after the first service and sort of I, it was I took it as an encouragement because I used the word doxology which is sort of a I mean it's completely a Christianese word um <laughs> but that's if you're reading a you know a bible that has headings in it it might say that right above these verses uh, Paul's doxology or something like that. Um, but this word is uh, sort of a compound expression of um, the the glory of God, which is the Greek word doxa, which means glory. So it just comes from that of um, basically the study of or the practice of the glory of God or the revealing of the glory of God. Um, but But I think that was sort of a helpful thing of thinking that we forget sometimes that these terms we just throw mm-hmm. out there, but it's going to define sort of mm-hmm. what they are. Um, but that's, yeah, exactly right. What uh, you were saying about Paul's just bursting out here in doxology, mm-hmm. thinking about the glory of God in light of his study 
of God, which is mm. theology, right? So our theology, our pursuit of God should always rev- uh, result in the worship of God. Um, but I, I was having a conversation with someone uh, yesterday. We were talking about evangelism and mission and prayer and worship and all of these things. And I'm like, you know, I think a lot of churches focus on, and, and Christians focus on being trained to be a good evangelist. And I think that that's good, you know, learning the tools of how to share your faith um, or really trying to inspire people to like get involved and start serving and these kinds of things. But I, I feel like the times that I've seen that work the best, the most authentically, is when you give people, obviously Christians, a very a big vision of who God is and they'll respond in worship they'll respond in wanting to go out and share their faith with people and we don't have to guilt trip people into going and sharing their faith if we just tell them about the wonder of who god is it'll burst out they won't be able Mm. to contain it anymore and i think that that's what paul is doing here in the context of worship is he's thinking about god and his plan of salvation in light of his greatness and creation and all of these things and he just bursts out in worship and i think that 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 Pauline moment will overflow in his evangelism where he's like, I got to go tell some people about this great God who has this great plan to save the world through, through his people, which Mm -hmm. was ultimately through his son. And you're just bursting out. And, uh, I, I feel like if we just continue to lift up the glory of God, um, in, in all his manifold ways Mm. and, and ourselves being, lit on fire by the glory of God, then people will come and be warmed by it mm-hmm. as uh, the cliche metaphor sort of goes, you know, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think that that's one of the, one of the um, missing elements in thinking about the glory of God is we're trying to pursue it, but you just think about God and you uh, consider God and you pursue God and, and then the the glory is, is there it actually like paul's quote on mars hill it's not it's not it's closer than you realize Mm. and uh it's in christ it's in his spirit and it's it's on the tip of your tongues that word of faith you know jesus is lord and i think those are important important reminders yeah but yeah there was a question in here i think oh yeah i was just um one of the things i was thinking about yeah quoting uh the westminster Confession. confession and i think it's it's a a wonderful starting place right what is the chief end of man if our if our purpose in life if all of creation uh, the purpose is to glorify god and enjoy him i think i was just wondering if maybe we could throw out some practical ways of how us as christians can do that on a daily basis how how do we do that in our workplace mm-hmm. how do we do that with our family members and stuff and it was interesting because the, the text from uh, was a first Corinthians ten thirteen right? Do all things like whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's just kind of like, is that possible? Like yeah, everything we mean, do, really? yeah. yeah. Like as I've heard, I don't know. There there may be ways that we can misunderstand that verse. Of course, he, in the context, he's talking about yeah, like his ability to endure and all of that. All things you know should be do should be done to the glory of God. Um, so I guess I was just wondering, maybe we could talk a little bit about that. And also the enjoy him forever is an interesting, you know, phrasing that they use. Totally. And how are we, I guess, how are we doing that? How can, can we do that? 
I, I actually th- I thought a lot about that phrasing because and something I didn't have time to get into in the sermon because when you say or when a Christian says all things are for the glory of God everything is from him through him and to him he's the point of it all he created in order to show his glory some might look at that and say what a megalomaniac you know like (laughs) what a self-centered god is this where he would be so consumed with his own glory and we think of someone like that that's totally narcissistic and selfish and all of these things um and so i i feel like in that the westminster divines who wrote that Mm -hmm. had to sort of explain that the best the the reason why God is displaying his glory, sharing his glory, it's not for himself, but for us to be able to fully enjoy him because his glory and the uh, the revealing of it and the sharing of it is for the enjoyment of us who get to participate in that glory. and And he alone is deserving of it, like all of us, right? We, I was actually listening to a talk recently. I think it was a, uh, Jeff Bezos, ironically, I was listening to him talk about something, you know, second richest man in the world, depending on the week. And and he was talking about like there's gifted people and then there's people who like work really hard. And he was like, some some people just have really good gifts. And he was like, don't, uh, you know, be proud of your gifts. And he was like, wait, no, a second. Don't, don't be proud of your gifts. You didn't you didn't do anything to earn those gifts. You're just, you know. <laughs> You were gifted those things. And I don't know if he was talking about a divine gift. I don't know what, where he was getting that from. But like even your gifts, right? Like whatever, you're a really talented person at something. All of that, everything about you is a gift from God. Like you didn't earn anything. You, mm-hmm. you had the ability to uh, like, yeah, you worked, you cultivated the gifts, but it ultimately came from God. And, and so we don't need to be proud, but God himself is the originator of all things. Right. And he alone is worthy of the glory. Uh, we ourselves are not. We're just reflections. We're just creatures mm-hmm. of this glorious God. But anyway, I feel like as a as a uh, addition to that first part, the chief end of man is to glorify God, is is the the second part of that and fully enjoy him forever sort of helps to battle that impression that God is sort of this narcissist in the sky who needs all this glory. He doesn't need any of that. He wants to share it with us in order that we might fully enjoy his presence and his gifts and his attributes and all of these things. Um, And I'm just getting call after call (laughs) after call. I need to silence my phone or something like that. I'm trying to make um, a podcast. <laughs> but how do we glorify God in all things? Yeah. I don't know, Rob, you tell me. I mean, Cody, I think I think me. gratitude's got to be a huge part of that. Um totally. because yeah, to I mean, like you said, the to glorify God in all things, uh you have to admit that a lot of things are beyond anything you did to make them happen. You know, mm. and so being grateful for what you have is a huge step in that. And that, you know, I'm, are we, we're talking about in our workplaces, right? Kind of in every, everything we do. Um, and so, yeah, I think uh, having gratitude, it not only glorifies God for you personally, but when you show that gratitude to the people around you, I think it, it, uh, it lets people see that mm-hmm. you are also glorifying. It's God. like recognizing the source, right? So verse 36, from him, through him, to him. 
it's interesting because every part of the process comes from God's glory, but we yeah. we tend to just look at the the outcome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the the artist, the medium, and the painting are mm-hmm. in view here when you talk about the glory of God, and we always we want to look at the painting and we say that's where the glory is, but really it's also in the other thing. So when we can, by being grateful for the things we recognize that the reason for our, our gifts that we have, the gratefulness in our lives is not because of us, but because of God. And so we can turn that around when someone's like, Oh, you know, in a conversation with a friend and they're talking about, how great it is that, you know, this blessing you have in your life or this thing you have in your life, this promotion you just got. And you can say, yeah, thank God, you know, praise God that he has done this for me in my yeah. life. And you're like, well, you, you got the promotion. What are you talking about? You worked hard for it. And it's like, no, this is as a result of God's grace in my life. Um, and I think that's a way that we can bring glory to God in those situations. It can get a little weird if we make it weird, mm-hmm. but at the, the same time, having, if it's constant, if like, yeah, 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 if everything becomes that, like, there's a way to do that in a way that's not would put people off. Yeah. Sometimes you can just be grateful in your own heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> True. And not have to tell yeah. everyone around yeah, 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 you. Yeah. Why that but you I mean, there are times when you can just, you can use that as Absolutely. a means of bringing God into a conversation, which would he would not be in, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's one way. <clears throat> the opposite is true too. If you're constantly complaining mm. about your circumstances, that's not telling the people around you that you trust that God is working for you're good. You know, like the song we were singing that, that he works all things, uh, you know, for my future and mm-hmm. for my good. And when we first sang that song, we talked about how like that goes with the next part of the song for your glory, for your name and mm-hmm. the things that are for God's glory is for our good. Um, and so we trust that God is working in our circumstances. So if you're constantly complaining, then you can't also be glorifying God because you're not trusting him that even though you're not sure why this is good, that he's working it for something, you know, that is for his glory, that's for our good together. Um, if you're, yeah, if you don't have that gratitude and you're constantly complaining, then no one from outside of our religious beliefs would ever be able to understand your, your life is glorifying God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you just said right there reminds me of two things can be true at the same time, that God is working both to his glory and to our good. And both of those things are true, those two things. Um, but I feel like quoting that the chief end of man or or the, the quotation about um, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, to me is, the, I mean, those are really simple things. Eating and drinking. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. He's, he's bringing it down to a level to say, you, you don't have to work at a church, right? You don't have to be on a mission trip in order to say, okay, I'm going to do these, like, I'm going to set aside some time to glorify God. <laughs> and so that means only a couple hours in the week uh, and only a few days in the year am I going to set aside time to glorify God. The rest of the time, I just got to do the normal thing, right? It, and so in one sense, he's incorporating a, a a holistic your whole life mm. is going to be a worship experience between you and God and we'll get to this in Romans 12 um, your life is a living sacrifice holy and acceptable uh, which is your reasonable worship 
So your whole life is your reasonable worship or reasonable sacrifice. And, and, and that's sort of what he's trying to say is it's not just for, at least for the, for them, then it's not just when you go to the temple, it's not just on these religious holidays that you can or are able to uh, glorify God, but it's when you love your wife, you know, it's when you love your husband, it's when you do your math homework with your kids, you know, it's, it's when you serve other people and when you do it. Um, and even if you're not conscious of, of the presence of God with you in that moment, um, if you have the spirit of God with you, you, you are bringing glory to God by displaying his goodness to others. And, and I think so he, he's trying to bring it down to see that the, the whole of creation declares the glory of God, but even in your normal activity as a Christian, mm-hmm. you can do things that bring glory to God. And this is a gracious gift that he has given to us. So in one sense, he's bringing it down. In another sense, he's elevating us up to say, in everything that you do, you can bring glory to God. And I think that you don't have to, like I said, do these all these things. Like if you work and provide for your family, uh, you're glorifying God. If you support someone who's going on a mission trip, you know, you're, you're bringing glory to God, even if you're not going. Um, and, uh, but I, I also think too, there's a, a protector to think, I, I think this is the classic mom question to their teenager is what you're going to do tonight after 10 o'clock glorifying to God, <laughs> you know, we should think we should be thinking about ourselves. Like is, is how I'm spending my time, really bringing glory right. to God. Right. Um, That's exactly what I was thinking as you were Sitting talking. there watching the television like for hours and hours right. and just like listening to news people just fill my mind news with people. all kinds Those of stuff. Like is this, is this honestly going to help me bring glory to God? Yeah. And podcast after podcast. After right. podcast after podcast. Well, yeah. if you're listening to this, then you are glorifying God. Yeah, but I think it's a good protector for us to think through too. Like, are we bringing glory to God in the thing that we're doing? You know? Yeah. Oh, this podcast does for sure. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Even the story it's for about your edification, Thanksgiving and stuff. Yeah. Nice. We're getting to the end. We're getting to the end, and so now it's time for oh, our oh boy volunteer of the week. Nice. And this week it is Ruthie Scoot. Oh, yeah. Yes. We want to thank her so much. She led the vision uh, and the direction of all of our uh, Christmas decoration that we benefited from this week and will through the whole month of December. Uh, it's always great to get that new set of decorations, mm-hmm. and, or not necessarily new. We reuse stuff too, but mm. uh, but to have something different as you come in and it puts you in that you know gives you some of that holiday cheer uh, and builds excitement toward what's coming because that Advent season is something that should be really exciting to us. Um, not just the, the cliche Christmas part, but the whole Advent season should be a really exciting time for a Christian. So we want to thank her a lot. And also a a sub thank you to all the plethora of people uh, who showed up to help with that too. Um, But the rest of them aren't the volunteer of the week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe though. <laughs> Ruthie is. Uh, and then we have our doom, doom, doom Bible trivia. Oh boy. The question this week, we've been talking a lot about scripture, how important it is. Um, and, uh, and people read scripture even in the scripture, which is mm-hmm. kind of funny to think mm-hmm. about, but one person in scripture 
was given a book by God, not to read, but to eat. Oh, who is that? Hold person? on, hold on. I feel like I know this one. Ezekiel. Oh my goodness! Final answer. Wasn't it John in Revelation? Oh, Rob is correct. It was Ezekiel. It was Ezekiel. <laughs> it was Ezekiel. Ezekiel had all kinds of crazy stuff. He said, stuff. take the scroll. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I yeah, I felt like it was an Old Testament thing because I read this book by Eugene Peterson called okay. Eat This Book. Eat mm. This Book. Eat This Book. Oh, that's and, so clever. And so Eugene I was like, Peterson this is, is coming from somewhere. Where do I have it? And Eat his whole book. point was like <clears throat> to feast on the word of God. But he used that story yeah. as a metaphor for consuming and living and feeding off of the word of God and yeah. letting it get into your marrow, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. good job. Eze- good job, Rob. Way to go, Rob. Yeah, no, I... Ezekiel ate some weird stuff. That's what I was thinking. We talked mm. about, like, Ezekiel, Ezekiel bread. And yeah. Ezekiel and bread. baked it over... Human. Human excrement. That's yeah. <laughs> the best way to make bread. <laughs> and you, you can go buy it at the grocery store today. <laughs> Ezekiel bread. But do they make it biblically? No, That's, they don't. Because I'm not eating it. <laughs> it's got it's the ingredients, <laughs> but not the process. Somebody in the bakery <laughs> signed for that for the week. Oh, oh. so good. So, yeah, signed <laughs> off, made by oh. Cody. <laughs>Thank you for listening to this On Sunday episode of the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about Canby Christian Church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.